Good morning, VFF family. I'm sincerely excited to have the opportunity to open God's Word with you again for this second message on our three-part series called The Simple Gospel. In a time when so many aspects of our lives are choked with complexity, we want to make sure that our understanding of and availability to the glorious message of Jesus isn't hindered by layers of religious clutter. So we're going straight to the source, the Bible, to uncover the raw beauty of the gospel and why it's such good news. My wife Sue and I grew up here in Southern California, but spent the last 40 years up north pastoring in the San Francisco Bay Area. So during those years, we made more trips than I care to count, driving the 400 miles of Interstate 5 from there to here to visit our extended family on holidays and other occasions. In the early years of those journeys, there was very little traffic on I-5 compared to the parking lot it is now. And even though I intellectually knew better, making that drive felt like I was on a special private roadway designed for the purpose of bringing us home. Today's message is about something like that the Bible calls the Highway of Holiness. It bears us along the journey as we return home to restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now last week I suggested you bookmark or highlight a gorgeous description of the gospel found in verses 18 and 19 of Acts chapter 3. And I invite you once again to open your Bible or Bible app to that passage now and follow along as I read from the New King James Version. Verse 18 says, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. This assures us that God's redemption project was fully completed by Jesus. The life he lived among us, the cross he gave his life upon, and the tomb he rose from finished the work. This is the firm foundation of the good news. Verse 19 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This tells us that the release of the cascading flow of the gospel's benefits to us require three responses from us. Repent, convert, and welcome the full measure of forgiveness in Christ. And for this sermon series, I'm describing these three responses with the words rethink, return, and receive. Let's repeat them together. Rethink, return, and receive. Now we talked last time about the word repent in this verse. We discovered that it means to reconsider or rethink. And we learn that part of what makes the gospel good news is that it provides us the opportunity to rethink the direction of our lives. 
It's like the prodigal son in Jesus' parable when he found himself far from home in a pig pen ready to eat slop and finally came to himself. This was the first step that would make it possible for him to benefit from his father's love. But that one leads to a second, which is described when he said to himself, I will arise and go to my father. And that brings us to the next of the three responses referenced in Acts 3.19 as be converted. This is the one we'll focus on today. The Greek word behind what's translated in Acts 3.19 with the English phrase be converted literally means turn about or return. You and I were made for relationship with God. He is our home. But like the prodigal son, we're all runaways to a far country. So after reaching the point when we rethink the rebellion that led us astray, we also need a way to return to where we belong. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that makes that possible as well. It welcomes us to travel the path to restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. And Isaiah 35, verses 8 through 10, beautifully describes what that road is like. So please follow along as I read it. A highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the Highway of Holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, or shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I just love that. The first thing it describes about the road home is that it covers some distance. It's referred to as a highway, and although it doesn't tell us exactly how long it'll take, it clearly indicates that our return will require a journey of some length. Most of us would prefer it was like Star Trek, where you just say, beam me up, and you immediately arrive. And spiritually, positionally, relationally, and theologically, that is what happens. Our faith in Jesus instantly results in the forgiveness of our sins and right relationship with God. That's why Jesus could say to the repentant thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. In fact, the English Standard Version of Colossians 1.13 says it this way, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. But practically, there are things that get severely knotted up in our souls during our prodigal wanderings, and they need to be untied. 
And some of our distorted ways of thinking need to be reshaped before we'll be able to fully receive and rest in the Father's love. So, we need to be patient with and lean into the Holy Spirit's restoration process taking place along this journey, which is both instantaneous and incremental. The second thing we see about the highway of holiness is that it must be walked. Sue and I will be on a family trip to the national parks in Wyoming this week. When our kids were young, we vacationed there several years in a row, and now they enjoy bringing their own kids. But I've noticed they have the same problem with their young ones that we had with them. As soon as you say the word hike, the complaining starts. Children have incredible amounts of energy and can go full throttle all day until you use the H word. Then suddenly it's, I'm so tired, I can't do this, can you carry me? And, and sometimes we act like that when it comes to the spiritual hike that leads us home. It's not a helicopter rescue where someone flies in, scoops us up, and delivers us to our destination. It's not a trip we observe from the backseat of a taxi. No one else can make the journey for us. We can't hitch a ride with our favorite Christian author, worship leader, pastor, or podcaster. We return by pointing ourselves toward the Father and placing one foot in front of the other as we race to his arms. This passage of Isaiah also reminds us that it's a toll road. In the San Francisco Bay Area, where I lived and served for so long, you really can't get around without crossing one or more of the many bridges that form the regional transportation network. And because you pay a fee every time you do, everyone just uses a fast-track responder that automatically charges your credit card with each crossing. And believe me, it adds up quickly. But the amount of those charges isn't even in the same universe as the price paid to open the way of salvation. It costs the life of the sinless Son of God. He alone could pay the fee, but he did, hallelujah. And, and that's why those who return by this road are referred to as the redeemed and the ransomed. So we travel this highway with awestruck reverence for such amazing grace. Another thing this text tells us about this roadway is that it's clearly marked. We never need to fear getting lost. It says that even when we veer off course in foolishness, we shall not go astray. And what a comfort that is. 30 years ago, after pastoring a church for a decade that we started and deeply loved in a San Francisco suburb, Sue and I began to sense the Lord had a new assignment for us. So after much prayer, we started making plans to transfer the leadership of our existing congregation, relocate our family to a different part of the Bay Area, build a team, and plant a new church. 
But at the same time, I was asked by our denomination to consider assuming the pastorate of an existing church in the Central Valley of California. It had gone through the trauma of losing its previous pastor in a moral failure. They wanted somebody with experience to go there and try to bring healing to that family of believers. But I found myself attracted to that option for a very materialistic reason. There was a built-in full-time salary. Now starting a new church would have required me to find outside employment to care for our family until the new congregation was established and could support us financially. And I'll be honest, that scared me. By that point, I'd spent my entire adult life as a minister, which doesn't give you much of a resume. Businesses don't usually consider preaching as a marketable skill, and I was really struggling to believe God would be able to provide for us during the church planting process. So I began giving myself permission to imagine how helpful my pastoral experience would be to that wounded congregation. And before long, I'd convinced myself that going there must surely be God's plan. Truth be told, I didn't even want to ask God about it. I'd already decided what I wanted to do. We packed up, moved, and found ourselves in a nightmare scenario. We'd relocated our kids to a new city in the middle of a school year, so they were miserable. The congregation was so deeply hurt by what the former pastor had done, they didn't trust me. Sue was unhappy with me for dragging her into this mess, and on top of all that, the church was in such bad financial shape it couldn't pay me a salary after all. That's when I sadly realized that nothing was going to be as I'd imagined. That's when I came to myself by the mercy of God and the conviction of the Spirit. And after many days of deep and sincere repentance over the realization that I'd literally strayed to a far country, I couldn't conceive of a way to return to where I'd left the trail of God's will. But God, <laughs> but God, I gotta say that again, but God is a redeemer, restorer, and rebuilder. And in every situation, he is always good and faithful. He graciously sustained us through the two and a half years we were there in that church, enabled us to help bring healing to it, and allowed us to install a new pastor that has successfully served that congregation ever since. And best of all, without making this an even longer story than I already have, he redeemed my foolishness, brought us back to the Bay Area, used us to start a new church, and provided everything we needed along the way. The power of the gospel is absolutely breathtaking. One of the other powerful descriptions of the road to restored relationship with Father is that it's safe. It says no lion shall be there. 
When we choose to return to our Father, we can count on Satan, the one described in 1 Peter 5.8 as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, to bear his fangs and begin to roar trying to dissuade us. But no matter how loud his growl, we needn't fear. He's not allowed on the road. Our God will see us safely home. We're also told that the highway of holiness escorts its travelers to Zion, which is a reference to God's dwelling place among his people. That means it leads to a person. This is not just a route to some form of spiritual enlightenment, religious experience, or self-improvement. It's the one and only pathway by which we return to the maker of the universe who draws us into an intimate relationship with himself. And he is not a philosophy to be debated, a concept to be shaped, a mystery to be solved, or a mythology to be embellished. He has a very real and indelible face, name, and history in Jesus of Nazareth. Finally, the prophet says of this road that it unleashes joy. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away, it says. All the pain of our regrets completely evaporates when we return to the deep embrace of the one who is the fountainhead of love and forgiveness. And even if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, it's just not possible to stop the resulting songs of praise from erupting into the atmosphere of your life. You know, God only needs to say something once So I figure anytime he repeats himself, we better really listen up. And that's what happens in Isaiah 51.11 when God says for the second time, so the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. How long has it been since an unbidden song of joy leapt from your soul to your lips as you found yourself swept away in a season of refreshing from the presence of God? I'll bet some of you have never yet had that experience, but are right now realizing that I just articulated the deepest longing of your soul. For others of you, It's been way, way too long. Either way, now is the time to come home from wherever you've drifted, and it's the gospel that makes that possible. Dear one, Jesus Christ calls to you this morning with the assurance that your heavenly Father is eagerly awaiting your return. And the on-ramp to the highway of holiness is just ahead. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you came 
that you lived among us a perfect life, a sinless life, that you allowed yourself to be executed on a cruel cross and that you rose from the grave so that we could be the beneficiaries of this amazing grace that the gospel proclaims. Lord, thank you. And I pray for all of those who are with me this morning, hearing these words from your word. I pray that each of them and me, that we would respond to it afresh. God, for those who have yet to experience the amazing, indescribable blessing of being found at home with you, having returned from our wanderings. May this be the day, the moment. Lord, I pray that they would reach out to you in faith and receive that gift. For those who have walked with you in the, uh, for, for a time but have drifted, God, I pray they would realize that there's no place like home and that in this moment they would come to themselves like the prodigal son point themselves towards you lord god make their way into those amazing arms of love that relieve all of the pain all of the regret and cause us to find the rejoicing that we can't even contain, the overflow of a season of refreshing. May it be in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.